0: Hi, what's up everybody? Welcome, welcome to The True Middle. I am your host, Paul Melikivi. And in The True Middle, we take on the real issues that are impacting everyday people from a real perspective. This is not your regular political show. You want to tune into The True Middle, we'll give you the real truth here. We're going to Break down the stories about politics. We're gonna break down stories about religion and faith, and we're gonna take break down stories about business. We're gonna do this in several different formats. If this is the first time tuning in, we have a podcast. We also stream on YouTube, so you can check out that ch- YouTube channel. It's the True Middle. Today, we're gonna to talk about one of the topics that's on all of our minds. It is the Democratic debate. They just had their fifth. Debate in Atlanta, Georgia, and boy, it's packed with some stuff, some interesting things coming out of that. Now, I don't know how you feel about it, but I have a lot of thoughts, so we're going to dig into that. So buckle up. We're going to get into it. The Democratic Debate. Ten candidates, ten of our Democratic candidates that are fighting to be the President of these United States took the stage to talk about what was supposed to be their key issues, to talk about what they can do for the American people, talk about what they can do to make this country great, moderated by MSNBC, um, five different hosts. I sat there, I watched this debate, and boy, I was upset. There's a lot, a lot of things that they missed. A lot of things that they could have done better. We're gonna take on some of these, some of these issues. But ultimately, guys, what we're missing here, what we're missing, is that this debate, ten people on stage talking for two hours about topics that moderators are choosing from them. These moderators chosen by these large conglomerates, these large corporations. We're never really going to get to the true nitty and gritty about the real things that are impacting us. In the middle class. The middle class makes up a great percentage here in the United States. There's some serious issues that we're dealing with. We're dealing with a, a broken health care system. We're dealing with a widening gap between the, the income gap between the rich and the poor. We're dealing with situations where wages have been stagnant, whereas corporate profitability and productivity has increased. We are losing our our grasp on being able to, to live the American dream because our companies that used to take care of us and provide great lives is no longer in the business of taking care of their employees or chasing the profit. And over the years, this is just getting worse and worse and worse. And so we have some, some candidates for the first time that are taking on some of these large issues with some, some, some huge, interesting visions. Um, you have Cory Booker, Tulsi Gabbard, you had, um, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden. Um, you had Kamala Harris, Um, Andrew Yang, you also had a billionaire, Tom Steyer on the stage. Interesting group of people, uh, all very different in their approach, all very different on their experience and what they've been through. Uh, But ultimately, you know, the the debate was lopsided. Your four leading candidates, your four leading candidates, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, and Elizabeth Warren, they seem to be the favorites, the darlings. Of the media, as they get into it, so we 're going to talk about a few things now you know keep in mind there there was some, there were some there were some good moments there were some good moments for for all of the candidates um, to speak about particular issues um, Cory Booker, I thought has the first for the first time really introduced a vision and, and a concept about entrepreneurism about how we can get the people um, that are you know have been Left behind that, you know, typically are, are, are the workers and those that are working low wage jobs and going to work to try to make ends meet and looking at ways on how we can empower them and get them out of, of poverty and the cycle of, of debt and poverty and actually, you know, put their future into their own hands. And the one way that we truly do that is through having them develop their own businesses. And I, I find a lot of power in that. I find a lot of, of truth and, and freedom in that, but this is the first time this came up. There's been five debates that these politicians have had. This is the first time that it came up, and it only came up because Booker really forced the issue. None of the moderators asked questions about it. None of the moderators seemed to even care about it or elaborated on it. He just made sure that he kind of got that in there as he was answering some other questions about some other issues. So the number one issue that wasn't discussed, that should have been discussed, how do we empower people to become entrepreneurs and start their own businesses. Those people that don't have the resources that these millionaires have or the rich people or people from privilege have who can afford to to, to risk all of this money, who have resources to make sure that they're being able to pay rent and keep up with life and still take on these risks associated with running a business. So that was the number one topic that we missed. We talked a lot about healthcare, and healthcare, I, I believe, was probably the largest portion of the debate. We talked a lot, lot about that. Every candidate has similar but different views. The big debate is Medicare for all, all versus Medicare for all who want it, right? So a couple of the, the, the leading candidates... You you have Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, some of the more progressive candidates, they're advocating this Medicare for all concept where they want to totally eliminate insurance companies, totally eliminate private insurance, and have this universal Medicare for all so everybody can get involved. Everybody agrees that we need health care. Everybody agrees that our health care system is, is broken. Um, a lot of personal experiences and why that's the case and why it's true. Um, over the course of these podcasts, we're going to talk about people, uh, talk with people, ask them about their experiences and what they had with our health care system, why this is such a huge issue, why this needs to be fixed. I know I have my own personal issues with health care. I actually saw my mother who actually... Worked herself basically to death because when she was diagnosed with cancer and she was getting treatment for it, she could not afford to quit her job because by quitting her job meant that she would lose her health care and lose the access that she needed to get the the treatment that she needed to, for the cancer so yes, it prolonged her life, but in doing so, she literally worked herself to death. I saw her getting up sick and trying to to, to fight this cancer she didn 't have the time that she needed to, to really get strong and healthy she had to get up day after day after day, go to work, eventually she lost a battle to that, um, and it's horrible to see. It is a, 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 a problem that's inherent in our healthcare system where we have private healthcare insurers uh, meeting our needs, and most of that healthcare is through our work, through our employment. So our employers sometimes provide healthcare, sometimes they don't provide healthcare. You contribute into that, and you hope that you're covered, and when you get sick, then it's this big debacle. So. A lot of A lot of things to discuss about health care as we move on with these podcasts um, we'll have a lot of ones dedicated to specific policies and ways that we can improve that, um, but a lot of time spent on that ultimately, it comes down to a decision you know which candidate do you want to support those that really believe that we should abolish private insurers altogether, or should we work at a system where there's other health care that's available? We have a choice. we opt into a, a health a Medicare for all system. We like our private insurance, and we can, we can stick with that. Um, in doing so, my personal concept is that by doing that, if there's competition and others are have the ability to opt into the Medicare for all, eventually we're all going to go that way. Um, it'll force the insurance companies to behave more ethically, to to reduce their profits, reduce the expense, reduce the fat, operate more ethically, and 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 maybe in doing so, that we'll get some leeway and we'll be able to save the insurance companies. But ultimately, if you want Medicare for all. If you want to totally abolish the insurance companies, then Bernie's your guy, right? Bernie's the one who kind of spearheaded this. Um, Elizabeth Warren has some flip flop on that now. Some information came out since the debate that that may not be the way that she wants to go. Um, Most of the other candidates really believe that it's kind of this Medicare for all for those who want it, but if you want to keep your, your insurance, then there's ways that you can stay with your, your private insurance. Pete Buttigieg is kind of the one that was kind of leading that. Joe Biden has been standing his ground from day one. Um, another thing that to, to, to point out on this debate is that no information, no conversation was had about universal basic income. This is a platform that Andrew Yang um, brought to the table with this debate. One of the things that makes him stand out from all the others, there's a lot of talk about minimum wage and everybody up there will agree that our minimum wage is too low, that it's, you know, a lot of families are going to these jobs paying seven, eight, nine, you know, $10 an hour and are not able to, to, to live off of the money by their jobs. And so that's something that's problematic within the middle class. We see it every day. I see it every day. There's people that are going out working two, three jobs. I've personally held two or three jobs myself at times to make ends meet. We see that it's a problem because by working two or three jobs, yes, you're finally able to afford to pay some bills, keep a house over your head. But in doing so, there's irreparable damage that's being done to our relationships with our loved ones, with our children, um, with our lives, to our health. We're running ourselves into the ground. they want to tout, you know, this administration wants to tout these great unemployment numbers that the unemployment rate is at record lows. And that may be the case with the measurements that they use to measure that. We all can debate the merits of whether that's an accurate number or not. But the truth is, even for those that are working, um, those that are employed they're underemployed. They're not making the type of money that their skills or their talents or their degrees warrant them to make. Oftentimes, they're forced to get into these low-paying jobs and work two or three of them just to make ends meet. So all of them will agree that we need to wait raise the minimum wage. But what is missing is that there's a debate to be had between the merits of raising the minimum wage versus the merits of a universal basic income. So the universal basic income, uh, in essence, is that everybody who's a U.S. citizen, is entitled to a basic wage. So in this particular argument, Andrew Yang's proposal is that everybody over the age of 18 would be given $1,000 a month. That's it. No strings attached. No other reason than you're a U.S. citizen. You deserve this money. You have $1,000 a month to do what you want to do with it. So... Um, This concept is is, is raising in popularity a lot of people um, on the progressive side, a lot of people that are in the industry of of technology, a lot of uh, forward thinkers are really anticipating this serious problem coming down the road where we're going to be losing our jobs to automation um the type of work that we're doing is not going to be available anymore and so what are people going to do to to work to make money our economy is based upon consumer spending so if there is no money if people aren't making any money we're not spending any money we can all agree that our economy is going to collapse and that's the real deal that we have to deal with so forward thinking. If there's no money coming in, there's a way that we can have this universal basic income that everybody receives a certain amount of money each month that'll feed the economy. And we can all agree that that kind of makes sense in theory, but we're not at that that space now. It's hard for us to envision a future where there's no jobs because that has kind of been the backbone of our industry. So... Regardless, you set that argument aside, say, okay, well, there are jobs today, people are working. Yes, they are working, but they're working at minimum wage jobs. What if we introduce this universal basic income today and people were given $1,000 a month to do whatever they want it with? Now, all of a sudden, this really raises a lot of freedom, a lot of opportunities for people that may be working these two or three jobs. Maybe they only have to work two jobs now. Or maybe this person doesn't have to accept that second job that they're making a couple hundred dollars a week on because now they have a $1,000 a month, which in turn will allow them to be able to spend more time at home and allow them more time to focus on their friendships, their relationships, their talents, their passions, they live happier lives, they go on, they, they, they're more productive, they're happier. When they go to their full-time job, they're not as miserable and stressed out because they have, to have some time to pursue their passions and their interests. So, universal basic income, one thing that they really, really missed on the debate. Um, I'm interested to talking to a lot of people over the, the course of these next couple of weeks. We'll find out what their thoughts are on this thing. It's very controversial. It's very new. Uh, concept on the political stage. This is the first time that this has actually been uh, considered seriously with the cast of candidates. Unfortunately, MSNBC in this particular debate allotted the least amount of time ever to Andrew Yang. He spoke for, I think the study's coming out of here, he spoke for about an average of six minutes for the entire two-hour broadcast where some of your leading candidates like Joe Biden, Warren, Buttigieg, um, Bernie Sanders, they all average at least 10, between 10 to 13 minutes apiece. Andrew Yang, the least amount of time from any candidate on that stage, and one that's bringing one of the most consequential, one of the most interesting proposals to the table. Guys, we cannot accept this. This is horrible for a debate to go on and not have one of these serious issues on the table. They want to talk about health care. They want to talk about the impeachment. We can all agree that the impeachment is what it is. None of us here today can really do anything to, to change that. Um, any of these candidates that are going up for, for the president of the United States, if they win, impeachment is not an issue. So I don't want to talk about the impeachment during a debate. I want to talk about the issues that these candidates stand for, what they're doing, how are they going to make my life better, how are they going to change things, how are they going to better our lives, how are they going to close this widening income gap between the rich and the poor, how are they going to make our healthcare system something that makes sense, how are they going to allow all of us to be able to live more engaged, purposeful lives, ways for us to go out and live our passions, live our talents, raise our families, be healthy. Go out and enjoy life, all these great things that America and the world has to offer. The impeachment, at the end of the day, non-topic, so they spent a little bit of time on that. Um, So I'll give them some credit. They kind of moved on quickly from that. Um, Tom Steyer, um, billionaire Tom Steyer, his big thing that he wants to bring up is term limits. Um, One of the... Huge things that we can all agree on, or at least most of your candidates here on stage can agree on, is that the political system is messed up. It's ran by corporate interests. People with money have been running politics for years. Years. There's a lot of studies that will show the increase of the influence of the rich and the powerful that they've had on our political system, on our laws, on our policies and our procedures. It's been more and more and more um, power and benefits given to your rich and less and less programs and help given to those that are less fortunate. And the reason why is because these politicians are in the pockets of these large corporations. Bernie Sanders, we got to give him credit where credit is due. He's been talking about this for years, even when he was in the the campaign against Hillary Clinton. That's been his big thing. Fight back against the corporate interests. Get the money out of politics. Uh, If you get the money out of politics, then people can really stop and listen to their constituents. Because let's face it. Not every politician has a rich base of constituents. Some people represent constituents that don't have a lot of money. So when you have political influence coming in from people with dollars that are able to fund your campaign and help you get your message out, human nature is you're going to go where it's going to be most powerful. And so unfortunately, our politics have been poisoned with money. Um, Term limits is one thing that that Tom Steyer um, introduced so that. When somebody is elected, that they can only serve so long, right? Similar to the presidency, we are all familiar. president can only serve two terms. And the reason why we put that in there is to avoid somebody for accumulating so much power, right? If you have somebody's in there for 10, 12, 20, 30 years, they accumulate more and more and more power. And the risk of that is that you run into a monarchy where there's one powerful person and there are people that are controlling everything. So term limits with the presidency was great. That was included, Um, In our initial formation of government, but that does not pass down to other forms of government. So you have this Supreme Court, which is a lifetime nomination. Once you're in, that's it. You're a judge of the Supreme Court. You're there until you die or you retire great benefit to that is that you're not then subjected to having to cater to term uh, elections you don't have to raise money you don't have to campaign you're on it the the idea being that you will be non-biased at that point in time that you will be able to interpret the law for what the law is and make solid judgments without political influence or without concerns about your job or your future or your security good point is that really the case I don't know. I mean, most of the people that are chosen are chosen on a political bias, and so once they're in there and they're being represented, um, they represent the the views of those that actually nominate them to the Supreme Court. Um, but Congress and the Senate, right? The House of Representatives, the Senate. These um, senators, these congressmen, they can keep running and running and running, and if a people keep reelecting them. They stay in the government. We have governors, we have senators, and we have um, representatives that have been in there for years. They represent old views. They represent old... uh, politics they represent old ideas and things of the past that are no longer relevant in, in today's society but yet they keep getting re because you know why there's some comfort to that there's some familiarity to that they've kind of grown accustomed to the people that vote for them there's name recognition so when you go into the to vote for them you see the name you know who they are you just automatically vote for them because you're familiar with it you're like okay not familiar i know there's not going to be any major changes because it's kind of status quo. So that's a problem that we have in our government and the system. So Tom Steyer is introducing this, this interesting concept about term limits. I, I encourage everybody to look into this, do some research on this, on term limits. I think it could be a powerful solution to getting rid of some of these antiquated ideas, some of these um, people that have been serving the government for years that continue to cater to the best interests of corporations, of constituents that continue to fund them with huge money to keep getting reelected. It's time for some new blood. I personally miss Eric um, Swalwell. When he was in the first debate, he was really pressing this idea of a generational shift that the leadership of the government is at at a time where these new ideas and the way that our society and technology has changed, that it should, you know, um, have some new ideas and some fresh leadership coming on board. And it really contrasted with a lot of your senior um, candidates like Biden and, and Sanders and Warren. When you have these young people pushing for some of these young progressive ideas because they're more representative of the future of this country, not the past. With that being said, I do want to touch a little bit about Joe Biden. Joe Biden, I mean, we all know or we can, you know, we, we know him. Um, he was vice president under Obama. Um, we can say great things about Biden. We can say great things about his service to this country, this, the sacrifices that he made. And he, but he is one of those that's been in the government for a long period of time. His track record can be shaky at best on some of these hot topic issues when it comes to racial segregation. And, and he was you know in the government at a time when there were a lot of things taking place with the Civil Rights Movement argue what his, his his decisions were, the result of those policies. But at the end of the day, you know, this guy is, is, is on a debate stage. And, I mean, he's just not articulating his points. He's cutting himself short. He's forgetting a lot. He's um, misquoting himself. He's He's just not as sharp as some of the other candidates. And I don't know why the mainstream media always wants to make excuses for him. We keep covering him, we making excuses for him. It's like, well, you know, he's that's just who he is. He's always had these gaffes. And okay, but I mean for as we don't want gaffes from our president. We don't want somebody that can speak our ticket, that can go up there, that can defend their points, that can give solid representation of the policies that they're trying to pass. You know, their heart may be well, their heart may be well-intentioned, but at the end of the day, your heart is not going to win you the president. Your heart is not going to get things done. You actually have to be articulate. You have to talk about it. You have to push it forward, you know. So we're making these excuses. I don't understand what's going on with that. Um, that's just part of the representation of the problem that we're having right now where these large corporations, these old school political pundits that have been doing this for years are still convinced that things are done that the way that they used to be, that they go out and they poll and they take these sample polls of people and say, well, the polls are showing that people are this way or that way. A lot of these posters are not even reaching a lot of these people that are going to be voting for the first time, that have never voted before, people that are just now getting engaged in politics, they're not going to be um, partaking in, the, in these surveys, these, these polls. It's out of date. It's, out of date. it's, it's just a message. We need to forget about the polls. We just need to get down on the ground, and we just need to get these candidates to talk about their policies 101. We need to give equal time to each of these candidates when they're on stage i mean you know that you knew you were going to moderate the debates you knew this debate was coming it's been on the schedule for a long period of time you knew there was going to be 10 people you knew it was going to be two hours you knew you know some of the questions you're going to ask i don't understand why we can't come up with a system where you ask each of the candidate the same question and let them all articulate their own policies practices, ideas about those particular ideas. You take some of the top ideas and you ask the same thing each of the candidates. You go down the road, let all 10 of them expand on it, have a little back and forth, some some additional questions to fill in. And what's the problem with that? Then you get a kind of a fair, moderated debate where everybody's able to, to weigh in on the same issues. Maybe each debate covers different things. You know, climate change is a big thing that you're talking about. Healthcare, talk about universal basic income, talk about minimum wages, talk about money and politics, talk about term limits. Ask everybody the same question because the way that is built up, you ask one or two people a question about one topic and then you move on to a totally different topic, but there's a candidate over to the right or over to the left. Has got some strong views and some strong ideas about that particular topic or that t- t- particular question, and you never get to hear it. What's going on with that? There were so many questions that they were asking um, Buttigiegs, that they were asking Biden, that they were asking Sanders and Warren, that none of these other politicians, none of these other people um, up for up for president we're able to articulate they have some strong and valid points and opinions on these ideas and I just think we need to hear from some guys I don't know I'm, get, I'm a little discouraged by the debates I know there's just going to be many more hopefully as they narrow in and more people you know, exit the race we have more time to spend with each candidate but it's a mess right now something needs to be done with it we need to speak up we need to let them know that we need to be heard that we need equal representation from each of these candidates that are out there They're putting forth effort. They're raising dollars from American citizens to fund this campaign. There's hundreds of thousands of Americans that are giving their hard-earned money to support a candidate that they think represents their values and their interests. And they get up on stage, and these moderators don't even give them an opportunity to speak on behalf of these people that have been feeding into their campaigns. Check it out, guy Andrew Yang made a big deal about it. I'm going to be a little biased. Um, but he he did really push the fact that he felt discriminated against, that the moderation, that the debate was biased. Um, there's a call. Check it out boycott MSNBC. Um, hashtag let Andrew speak. Uh, we need to speak up, guys. We can't just accept this and say that we're going to to let the media dictate what we want to know, what we want to hear, what candidates we support. They're going to keep honing in on the same top three top four candidates based upon what they think, because they're the ones that, that are, are, are are moving the direction. They're the ones that are giving the candidates the airtime. They're the ones that are discussing their policies. They're the ones that are putting out the polls and saying, uh, you know, these guys are leading. These are the ones that are their favorite. How do you know who I'm voting for? How do you know who, who my family is voting for? You can speak to me. I don't speak on behalf of my wife. I don't speak on behalf of my son. We each have different opinions. So you speak to me. In my household, you may get three different answers on who we support, what we find important, what our main concerns are. You can't just sample a couple thousand or a couple hundred thousand people and say this is representative of the United States. This is ridiculous. We have gotta stop it. Just ignore the polls. Ignore the polls. Let these candidates say what they wanna say. Let these candidates run their campaign. And when it comes time to vote, let the voters speak up. Let the voters have their choice as to what they want. Guys, there's a lot of juicy stuff going on there. Kamala Harris um, has some strong points. She spoke up for, you know, the African American community. Um, specifically, she made up some, some great um, dialogue about um, women and mothers in general. This is another area that needs a lot more the de- debate. There's a little bit of engagement with, with Booker um, on this topic. Um, some back and forth with her and, and Pete Buttigieg about, you know, um, representing some of these minority communities and and the best way forward on that and the experience and knowledge to, to be able to, to, to represent minorities. There's a lot of juice there. Again, one of those things that just kind of got blown over um, wasn't part of the initial discussion in the debate. Kamala Harris, she, she brought it up. She made some strong points on that. Um, a lot of back and forth about, you know, foreign policy. Um, usual answers. Some people are going to say one thing at the end of the day, you know our our foreign policy's been a mess. Um, you know, it's been getting worse. Um we need something we need to do something different about it. Um but we all need to know some we all need to have a better idea of what these candidates plan to do. Um when they, when they're office how they're going to attack that. So, an important question I find um very relevant, I think we need to know. Um they need to dig a little bit deeper. I think there were some softball questions that, that were just kind of thrown out there. Nothing that was really in deep, um, in depth, that would really give us a good indication. At the end of the day, you have to really get into a, a candidate's heart, their soul, um, their beliefs, the way, of, of, w- the way that their uh, worldview is in order to understand when they're given search- certain situations, how are they going to react? What are they going to do in this particular situation, right? So we need to get a little bit deeper into the candidates, into their individual policies um, and and their thoughts and their worldviews. Um, Some of them have books. Some of them have websites. Um, It's in our best interest, guys, as we're getting into um, election season to really dig in. Um, We're going to go on this channel. We are going to go in depth on each of the Democrat candidates policies. We're going to go onto their websites. We're going to take a look at their policies. We're going to talk about what each one of them stands for, some of the more important points, some of the things that differentiate them from the others. We need to take it upon ourselves to go in and do our research, dig in and learn about these candidates. Uh, We can't depend on the media. We can't depend on what we hear at the debates from giving us a full picture. There's a lot of candidates that have strong Um, views that have some great solutions to some of these problems that we're going to be facing here in the future, some of the problems that we're facing here today, um, some of their history, some of their research, things that will really, really um, be mind-blowing to people who've never really dug into politics. And I know that a lot of us are busy. You know, maybe you're at home, you're watching TV, and there's nothing else on. So you're like, hey, I'll just sit and watch the debate and see what these These people have to say, right, maybe you're real passive, you're a little disenchanted because the political system hasn't been working for you in your particular situation. That you feel as that no matter who you vote for, you're basically trying to vote for the uh, better of two evils, right? That in regards of who's going to go and win the election, who's going to go into the White House, that your interests are not going to be represented. I get it. I understand. Maybe you're somebody who's new to the game. You're getting into it for the first time because you're young. Um, this is your first time being able to vote, and you're trying to understand what it all means. You're trying to understand the system. You're trying to understand the candidates. You're trying to tune in to, to get an idea of what they what they're about, what this whole election is about, what are the important topics to consider, and you're watching these debates. And like, I really can't identify with any of these because I mean, foreign policy is not the first thing on my mind. I'm thinking about college. I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about my life. I'm thinking about how I'm working two or three jobs to make the ends meet. What are these candidates really going to do? They talk a lot about, yes, I understand this problem. This is my personal story. This is what I feel about the problem. This is what I've experienced. This is what I've seen. When I've talked to people on the trail, this is what these people tell me. Understand that when these candidates are out on the trail, who they are talking to are not you and I. These are people that are actually showing up at their campaign rallies, people that actually go out of their way to attend these events. These are not your normal, everyday working people that don't have a huge interest in politics. Yes, they want a government that works for them, but they're not particularly interested in spending too much time and effort on it because they're too busy making ends meet, right? So the re- representation that we're getting at these rallies, at these campaign stops, and the people that the politicians are speaking to, they're supposed to be representing the true middle, the middle class Americans. It's not necessarily you or I, or the average person that's home, who's working two jobs that doesn't have time to spend eight hours to go and watch a, a politician talk about their policies, right? Nor do we sit there and, and, and have tons of time to sit down there and go to each and every person's website and make sense out of it to read The issue. So, we have a real conundrum here. If we're going to make a decision and we're going to choose somebody that's going to represent the Democratic Party for the election, we need to know the candidates. We need to know what they're about. Uh, We need to have some of these conversations. We're not allowed to have these conversations, guys. You go to work, first thing in work tells you you can't talk about politics, you can't talk about religion. I'm tired of hearing, I was at work the other day talking. And the topic came up. We said, start engage a little bit about politics right away. We'll get shut down, right? Um, leadership is like, we can't talk about this at work. It's too divisive. It causes too much discord among the workers. So if we can't talk about these issues at work, right, if we go in and we can't talk about these things at parties, um, where do we talk about these things? We need to have an opportunity for us to discuss this, so people can learn from one another. I can understand somebody else's viewpoints. I can understand somebody else's um, situation and be able to make some decisions um, that are best for everybody. We can't just be so pigeonholed to our own ideas and our own opinions, guys. This is some 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 stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to future broadcast with you guys as we talk about this stuff. Chime in. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to go in, like, comment, subscribe. If you like what you have to hear, you're interested in hearing some more of this as we move forward, hit the notifications button so you get notifications when we're up live, um, when we're having these broadcasts. If you're tuning in on a podcast, make sure you stay tuned. We'll have these weekly podcasts. Um, listen in i want to hear some thoughts i want to hear some ideas if you're somebody out there that wants to engage with me if you are a business owner if you have some type of political interest if you have some ideas on some of these big um, initiatives gun control health care um, universal basic income minimum wage um, student debt um, a lot of these big issues that are, that are part of the debate today Give me a call. Reach out to me. Let me know. I'd love to get in- involved. We're going to be having a lot more interviews with people. We're going to highlight some differences in politics. We're going to share some opinions. We're going to talk as individuals. Um, it's not bad to talk to people that have different ideas, that have different opinions, that have different life experience. We need to do that, guys. We need to get involved in that. My experience is not your experience. My experience is not the same as my wife's experience. But we get together, and by talking to each other and talking about our experiences and what we've been, where we felt, how we feel, then, that allows us to better understand one another. So we can understand as a country where we need to go uh, and move forward, so that we live in a, in a, in a country that's with all of its resources, with all of our great resources that we have, a country that's passionate, right? That's compassionate towards its citizens. That understands that we all just want to be able to to live a life, um, to be engaged to be happy to be able to engage in my individual talents and my passions and do what I want. You know, some of us will get paid more money for doing it than others just because of the natures of industries and that's fine. But can we make a living doing it? Are we able to support our families if we do this? What kind of chances, what kind of risks do we have to take in order to to live a life where we're living our passions? And that again is an area that we really need a lot of a lot of discussion on, ways to do this, ways that we can move forward Um, Ways that this country can really, really invest in its citizens so that we're living these lives um, that we all dream that we want to live, right? Um, The American dream is not dead. The American dream is just a lot harder to reach than it used to be uh, for a lot of us. Um, As the income gap increases, as the rich and powerful have a little bit more political power, a little bit more influence over policies, Um, it's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher. And if we don't make any changes and get involved now, guys, it may be too late. We may never have that opportunity. We're coming to a precipice in our society where action is needed. Get engaged, guys. Follow me um, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're a YouTuber, if you watch YouTube, follow me on The True Middle. Subscribe to this channel, guys. Reach out to me. Let's engage in some conversations. Next time, we're going to talk about Michael Bloomberg. He just entered the race on the Democratic side, changes some things dramatically, a lot of things that we can dissect out of that. So stay tuned next week. That's what we're going to touch on, guys. Thank you for tuning in to The True Middle. I'm your host, Paul Melikivi. I look forward to talking. Thanks.